This is a homebrew podcast. Nivets, I'm telling you, he's just rewatching this same scene over and over and over again. I get it, he's blurred. But why do I have to send a clone in to bother him? He'll just murder it. Because this is driving me crazy and it'll give him something to do and get him out of there and then I can play video games or something. Don't you think you're just overreacting just a little bit? Oh, I love this part. Hey guys, come watch this part with me. It's a ruse. Full power to the shields. Break right. Get us out of the range of those cannons. Huh. Such a classic movie. Admiral Aratok is my favorite character. Yeah, I know they're your favorite, Grundle. But they aren't even in the movie for very long, and you've watched this scene 13 times in a row now. I just don't want to be starstruck when I give them the new crew orientation in a few minutes. Hmm. Let's just watch the rest of the movie, guys. Huh, wait, what did you say? Yeah, they're waiting for me in the next room. Alright, well, I guess enough is enough. You know, you can only prepare so much, Nivets. Anyways, wish me luck. Oh, there you are! Welcome to the crew, Admiral Airtalk! Welcome back to the homebrew. I'm your DM, Grant Melky, here with Austin Brady. Zaldwin, lost among the lost. And that's it. Zaldwin, uh, we are in this moment where you have faced down the inevitable Norman, Alexi. Things were dire up against the ropes. Your eyes started to glow, and you said that you wished that he never existed. We kind of zoom into your eyes, kind of floating around, and very similar to when you went into the core with everyone else for the first time. And Zalon, you find yourself in this uh, waiting room, and there is a large kind of cordoned off line, and there's like some light like bossa nova type music playing, and you're in some sort of like hotel lobby. There's like red and gold geometric shapes on the walls and the carpet. Off to your left, there's this oak bar with like a very high wall of spirits and drinks and a chandelier and all of that. There's a version of you, Zaldwin, behind the bar who kind of like lightly nods to you and he's shaking up drinks and sitting at the bar are like all manner of change. So like Frankie, there's even Zoros and Mordecai. And you look around this hotel and you see that there are like, it's just full of you. Like, every possibility of you is kind of milling around this hotel and waiting in line and things like that. You haven't seen Adam in his human form, but you do somehow recognize him. And in this version, he is like a middle-aged, very average-looking human male. He has, like, salt and pepper hair and a gray suit. He's leaning against a pillar in the lobby. And when he sees you, he uh, raises one of his hands in a greeting. Well, well, well. Hello, I didn't think we'd meet again. Zaldwin stands up from a comfy lounge chair and looks down at himself and kind of having this memory of being squeezed by the Elder Dragon and then not. Um, he kind of checks his wrists, checks his body to make sure that he's okay. And then he looks up at Adam and he leans forward and he just asks, I, I'm sorry, I I know you from somewhere. Who who are you? Where am I? Um, I guess everywhere is the easiest way to say it. 
Uh, but we always wind up back here eventually. Uh, I'm guessing this is one of those where you don't remember most of the things. Is that right? I remember uh, I was with Grundle and Oliver and Nivitz, and we were fighting this unimaginable horror, and I just, I used the power of change to erase it. Hmm. Well, he uh, he flicks open this little tin uh, cigarette holder and pops one between like his thumb and his finger into his mouth and then offers one to you. Uh, let's check it. Zeldwin takes it and kind of packs it against his wrist and pops it in his mouth. So you kind of stand in this line, uh, looking around at all these different people, um, catching a glance of yourself in the mirror. Uh, what you see is essentially like your mind's eye, like your ideal version of yourself. Like you see yourself in the way that you kind of do like in dreams, like what you imagine you look like, but it's like real and it's in this mirror. And after a little while, he checks in. There is a, another Zaldwin working the lobby uh, and Adam turns to you and jingles a key and he's like, room number six, always vacant for some reason. Let's go. And he leads you down the hall and he's like, well, we've done this, I suppose, an infinite number of times at this point to an infinite number of effects. And we're pretty good at it at this point. Early on, we'd change something and the entire universe would just be like irrevocably changed and we'd have to start over altogether. And now uh, he pulls out a little piece of paper and he unfolds it. And you see that he uh, looks at it for a moment and kind of squints and holds it up. And what forms on the piece of paper is a picture of Norman Alexi, a much younger Norman Alexi, surrounded by his six brothers and sisters, a much older, like huge man who you can only assume is Norman's father and a smaller woman who has her hand on Norman's shoulder. And uh, Adam starts to fold the paper he holds it up to his uh, mouth and licks the edge of it and then very carefully starts to uh, tear. And he hands you the paper, only this it like has Norman torn out of it pretty perfectly. He's like, you have some more control now over how we go about this. And the trick is to change as little as possible if you catch my drift. You need to remember, no matter how large a number is, it's closer to zero than it is to infinity. And no matter what happens, it's always closer to nothing than what could happen. You arrive at room six um, and he unlocks it. Adam plops on one of the two beds in the room, grabs a remote and turns on a TV that's in one of the cheap little wooden tables there. He's like, okay, so what'd you say you wished for? Uh, I don't rightly remember. I, I just, <sighs> Grundle was down and I was really sick and I just, I just wished that this thing that we're fighting, I wished it never existed, and... Mm. Well, that's a little broad. Yeah. I don't know what that means for me. I don't know what that means for the universe. Well, he uh, flips to a channel, and then you see on the TV uh, a Zoros and a Norman Alexi. And Zoros is looking over a table that has a variety of syringes and vials and pills and things like that. It's like, ah, uh, this is what you're here for. The time capsules. So with Norman gone, we can get rid of these or we can make it so that someone else invented them. They were commissioned by Zoros, but Norman had some pretty 
unique ability. So on one hand, you take a lot of power away from Zoros, which is why you came here to begin with. But on the other hand, and he flips a channel and you see the other crew, which was Goy and Billy and them fighting on Dasaki alongside Zoro's forces. Take too much power away from your enemy and perhaps the defense of Dasaki is not coordinated in the same way. There's only so much power you can take away from him before it starts to have adverse effects, you see. So, the capsules. What's your decision? I feel like we are so close to taking over and, and, and getting the, the issue of the capsules taken care of, at least for the moment, I feel like we can handle that. I feel like when we're back where we're at, we'll, well, I guess we wouldn't be where we're at, will we? We can get you pretty close. <sighs> Changing as little as possible, I suppose somebody else would have made them. If that means saving more people on Dasaki, I feel like, feel like that's the obvious choice. He nods, seems a little impressed. He's like, all right, I, uh, I like that. He changes the channel again. This one's a little harder. And on the TV is like a back alley where people are trading these uh, vials and kind of throwing glances over their shoulders. And he says, uh, wake, not a street drug, never was. Norman Alexi is responsible for the development and the mass production of wake. This one's a little harder. On one hand, You've used it to overcome some major obstacles. On the other hand, it's ruined so, so many lives. Even if someone replaced it, only Wake has the power to become an interstellar drug pandemic. So, change. Does Wake get invented by another Alexi? Or is it gone forever? Why, why do I have to change as little as possible again? I mean, can't we just... Can't I... I... I patch in the holes here and just say that, I mean, we're we're as close to deity ship as possible. These are I, the things I think are safe to change that won't collapse the existence you just came from. When I say as little as possible, you have to understand even the slightest change can have ripples that go throughout the galaxy. We're trying to control the tsunami on the other side of the planet. These things I'm presenting to you I think we can safely change if you want to. Zaldwin goes back to the moment where he's on the hawk and he's got a washcloth and he's wiping Oliver's face as he's sweating out the effects of Wake. And as he's going through his his relapse, as he's going through his the, the side effects of Wake. And Zaldwin nods his head and takes away Wake. Adam nods, and he flips the channel to what you see is yourself and Oliver and everyone, uh, the eight of you, fighting uh, Jean-Paul and remembering the moment that led to that. Austin, do you have a dice on hand? Um, let me get a dice. I feel like it's very ceremonious to do this uh, with good old dice. I like that too. Listeners, there is going to be some background noise. Uh, just please forgive us for this interlude. Uh, I think we'll still have a lot of fun here, but just want to apologize for any of that. I have my official nice homebrew orange 
limited edition dice at this point. Um, <laughs> Is that the orange. actual sample? Yes. Oh my god, that's amazing. Okay, so there are two things, and I went back over these fights in detail, um, and I thought about this a lot, and the two fights that I think were mostly affected by Wake were the fight with Jean-Paul. I believe that there's a 50% chance that you could have beaten Jean-Paul without Oliver going off the hook like he did. So I'm going to say roll a 10 or higher and see if you were able to defeat Jean-Paul or if he was able to escape. That's a 17. Nice. (laughs) You watch (laughs) this fight play out. Uh, You watch... Uh, Oliver had this moment when he injected Wake and when he did the things that he was going to do and he instead does not. And he didn't need to. You're still able to take Jean-Paul down. And then the other one is life. This one is a little harder. I believe that when you fought Joy in the core, several of you took Wake and it was pretty dire. I have this one set at a DC 16. Defeating life in the core is what brought back Tasaki's son. So try and be a DC 16 and see if fate is on your side. That's a three. Adam uh, flashes back to that fight when you are fighting Joy and you see that without Gray and Oliver and Nivets doing what they did, that they're unable to take down Joy. But I, I already made the decision earlier to to keep to keep Dasaki safe. I, why does this all get undone? I mean, this, there's so much fate bound up with these these people. There's still evacuation efforts. Zoro's still defends the Dark Planet from the Enders in your future. This is not a worst case scenario. What do you mean not a worst case scenario? Billions of people. We're counting on us. And now it's for nothing? He shrugs. He's like, do you want to keep awake? These aren't final answers. God, is there some other way that we can save Dasaki? Perhaps. He flips the channel to Nivets. A long time ago, working in his lab, uh, he is bent over this, uh, which you recognize as the synthetic sun. Um this device, very small device. I mean, it fits in his room, but you see him working out on it. And Adam's like, Norman Alexi stole Nivitz's identity and DNA when his research triggered the Inevitable's algorithm. Norman used him to power his own research, and he later sold the clones to Zoros when his mind and his farm became powerful enough. Without that occurring, it's possible Nivitz never joins your crew at all, but rather goes on to master cloning himself and to master his own design of a synthetic sun. And he flips a channel and you see a massive fleet of hundreds of these like Death Star sized synthetic suns floating around Dasaki. Inside of them are thousands of Nivets clones. And he looks at you and he says, so is Nivets more valuable on your crew or is he more valuable perfecting his research? Grant, you've put me in a terrible position. <laughs> We're only getting started! Oh. You see why I wanted to forget now, don't you? 
Salduin sits on one of the beds with his head in his hands and asks for a moment to think. He nods, heads over to a mini fridge, pops it open. The moment becomes three days Hmm. as Zaldwin thinks this over. And it is pacing. It is hitting the midi fridge himself. It is him just laying there staring at the wallpaper in bed. Three seemingly sleepless days of just thinking, trying to imagine what kind of purpose Nivets could fulfill outside of the crew and trying to imagine what kind of person Nivets would be had they not met. There's so much that Nivets has done with the crew that Zaldoin doesn't believe that they would have been able to survive without him, yet millions would be able to survive with him. Then it all comes back to Wake. How many lives have been ruined by Wake and how many lives would be ruined by the sun going out into Saki. And Zaldwin chews over the ideas. All right, we we keep Wake. Hmm. We 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 keep Wake. We bring the lap back to the Saki. We keep Nivitz. It's about changing as little as possible, right? All right, we'll do a little bit of an easier one now. Give you a, give you a moment. Uh, he flips a channel and shows you. Grundle and the creatures like him and uh, closers and fixers. Norman Alexi bought and perfected this process of rapid growth cloning from the Terran command using Grundle's blood essence. Without it, Rick, and he changes the channel and shows a dwarf, would not exist at all. All of the clones lose their existence. Zoros loses more power, a lot more power. The original closer and fixer die in a ditch somewhere, and the muscle goes away forever. Zeldwin nods, and it seems easy. It seems so simple that Zeldwin has a working theory that part of the reason why the essence is so screwed up is because of the rapid growth clones. I mean, making souls out of nothing so quickly, sapping them up, it's, it's got to be connected or something. But then I think Zaldwin also remembers Stabs and really thinks about Rick. Hmm. How do you do it? Sorry? How do you do this? Oh, he points down to the little bottle of, like, travel-sized vodka he has. It's not easy. I told you there was a cost. And when I say cost, I don't mean external. You have to understand that this is a lot of responsibility and the things we change. Everyone else forgets them. Zaldoin. Everyone else just goes on about their lives. We have to remember this forever. He pulls out like a deck of cards and he like flourishes like shuffling them. Um, he's kind of half leaning on this bed and he puts down six face cards. He puts down life, death, change, time, creation, destruction. And he picks up the destruction card and he shows it to you. And then he like flicks it across the room. And then he puts down the rest of the deck and splits it, showing a card that says the inevitable. He picks it and he flicks it to the side of the room as well. You briefly see a card under that that says the door. And then he reshuffles them. No, no, go back. What what was that one? Oh, trust me. Uh, And he begins to shuffle them a little bit more. It's like you keep taking pieces off the board it catches up with you 
This time, Zaldwin spends two days thinking, um, pacing this hotel room, and he thinks about the closers and asks Adam whether the original closer was the one who hurt Oliver, or if it was a rapid growth clone. He shakes his head. He's like, no, it wasn't him. It was just a clone, and it would have been someone else. It's not like Norman couldn't just hire people like the rest of us. I need you to talk to your friends, though, about this one. And on the TV, Rick is looking up at you, and uh, Stabs joins him by his side. And Stabs like, hey, I, I, I could be somebody. I'm doing okay, right? Fuck. <sighs> change as little as possible. Change as little as possible. <sighs> How can I change as little as possible? There's so much that needs to be done. <sighs> and Zaldwin flops down onto the bed, and their lip quivers, or their approximation of lips. <laughs> They're mad. Uh, their, their mandible quivers, and they start to tear up as they're looking someone in the face that is pleading for their life. Keep the clones. Adam nods. Okay. Uh, can't really help you with this uh, next one. And he flicks the channel. Before heavy arms was Oliver. And he shows you a young man. You recognize it to be Oliver. Uh, completely flesh no machine, uh, and a older man who looks very much like Oliver. Oliver is his spitting image, and they are working together inside of a, like a pharmacy. Norman Alexi was behind everything that happened to Oliver's family and many, many, many families in the pharmaceutical industry. Oliver is a warrior, and you've done battle beside him many times. If he doesn't lose his father, if he doesn't lose his arms, the Oliver you know would be gone. And he um, shows you an image of Oliver now. Uh, It kind of flashes through a montage of these moments with Oliver uh, basically dying on Wake. Um, It shows you Jaden dying in his arms. It shows you just the whole path that he has taken. And... He looks up at you from the TV after a moment, and he just says, It's okay, man. Do what you gotta do. And a much younger Oliver looks up at you as well. Uh, Looks at his father, looks back at you, and Adam sits back. I, uh, this one's pretty rough. And he starts to flick through channels, and he says, You know, there would have been someone else. There would have been... A Tevian. There would have been a Billy. There would be an aspect of death with you. No matter which way you spin this, you will be fine taking on Jean-Paul. You will be fine taking on the elements in the core. The question is, this Oliver or someone else? On day 734, Zaldwin tries their hardest to punch through the drywall of the apartment building of the hotel room Mm -hmm. and looks at the absolutely mediocre dent that it has done. Zeldon paces back and forth again and again, day after day, not sleeping, not eating in this liminal space. The hotel room slowly becomes more and more trashed as Zeldon spends these days 
or non-days, contemplating, pushing. It's almost to the point of insanity as Zaldwin utters the mantra that has been there forever. Live how you want to live and die how you want to die. Is this really the way that Oliver would have wanted to live had he been given the choice? Is this the way Oliver would have wanted to die if given the choice to die? And there's a selfish pit inside Zaldwin who loves Oliver fully and completely in his heart, loves his brother, and makes perhaps the most selfish decision of Zaldwin's life. Sitting there, dark circles around Zaldwin's eyes, he lets out a whimper. <sighs> I won't, my friend. Adam nods and turns off the television. It's a lot to carry. Damn it! Fucking shit! And Zaldwin grabs the lamp on the bedside and throws it at the TV, smashing it. Hey, I got it. I've been here. Been here. A lot. There's always a cost. And he looks down, flips out a little notebook. It's like, keeping the time capsules, keeping Wake, keeping Nivitz's story, keeping clones, and keeping Oliver. Is that right? What can I... I mean, you said change as little as possible, but... It doesn't feel like I changed anything at all. It feels like it's all the same madness, all the same terror, all the same harm. He um, picks up the remote and turns it back on. The TV kind of shows an image, even with the like lamp sticking out of it. And on it, you see Greg is sitting there at a desk with a typewriter, looking up at you guys with this big, goofy smile and being very generally agreeable with what you're proposing to him as you find that the board of Pharmacor that the shareholders have been basically keeping him in the dark as he has run Pharmacor for the last 20 years and he still finds you to be the same friend as you found when you met him the first time and Adam says certainly a very heavy weight to the decisions that you've made but I would say this is a favorable outcome to this and he flips the channel to where you were this giant planet this whole world of souls of sentient souls of this dragon of all of you i mean very close to death uh facing off with this dragon um and then he flips back and shows you again you standing there talking to greg i don't know nothing changed uh would say this was mostly an inaction, if anything. I understand that that has some weight to be carried with you, but I wouldn't say you've accomplished nothing. Zaldwin walks over to the TV and drops down to his knees and reaches out and touches the fuzzy visage of Oliver and of Nivitz and of Grundle and looks at Greg as Greg's goofy smile you know, floods the screen. Did I make the did I make the right decision? Did I do the right thing? Adam laughs. Uh, <laughs> oh, son. Ask me that in a few thousand years. When you're where I am, it's pretty much just time to start over. I don't know if we ever learn the answer to that. Zaldwin stands up slowly and walks over to Adam and sits down on the bed next to him. He offers you another cigarette from his tin. Thanks. You understand now 
Zaldwin lights the cigarette and takes a drag off of it, and his hand shakes as he tries to light it, and he uses his other hand to steady it, and puts his elbows on his knees, leaning forward. How could I be so selfish? How could I be so fucking stupid? Change as little as possible. Change as little as possible. If it makes you feel any better, we've tried Utopia a few times, and turns out people are pretty unhappy there, too. Zeldwin looks at Adam with glossy eyes. What do you mean? What do you mean they're unhappy? He shakes his head and he shrugs and he said, you're going to have to ask the other four, five, four. I can't remember when you're from. You're going to have to ask the other ones about that. But apparently people don't like other people making their lives perfect for them. Zeldwin nods and thinks to Oliver and the fight that Oliver has been through. And if Oliver would still be unhappy, I think Zeldwin shakes his head and gets that thought out and takes another drag of the cigarette. He holds out the little notebook to you. That it? Have we tried opening the door, keeping the door open in the past? Have we tried closing it? He looks at you a little funny and he says, I don't know what's happening with the door in your existence, where you're at right now, but whether open or shut or whatever, there's always a pathway to the previous and to the next world. No matter what we've done, no matter what worlds we've created together, no matter what we've changed, there's always a way, there's always a point at which you can go forward or go back. Doesn't really matter if the door's open or shut, it's just the door. And he shows you the deck of cards again. And he said, I, I, I don't know if we've ever tried taking that card out of the deck. I know that you have done others, but we've messed it up. Where are you? 35? You're on 35. You're on 36. Messed it up 36 times. You really think getting rid of your only way out is wise? I, I've messed this up 35 times. We. Who am I to make these decisions? Who am I to do this? Be here. You'd have to go way, 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 way back to a world before the prime existence. You'd have to go to the fundamental plane, find the very first person who sought out to take the powers of change. You'd have to ask him why. There's a reason the lost want to know why. There's a reason why. We ask why we proceed, why we continue, why we do these things at all. That's not me asking you that question. You're the one asking that question, Zaldoin. I can't tell you why. I don't know why. Am I the universe playing itself out, or am I something completely different? Zaldoin looks to Adam and then looks back down at his hands and puts out the cigarette on the bottom of his boot and puts the butt in an ashtray. Whoever gave me these decisions was dumb as hell, I suspect. Aren't we all? He offers you the notebook again. We've been here for a while. Last call. Zeldwin takes the notebook. And are there previous pages in the notebook that I can flip through and see what I've changed in the past? Uh, unfortunately, one of the last wishes of Adam was to not remember. So no, there is no way for you to access those. Fuck. I thought I was so clever. 
You were, just in another life. Zelda nods at Adam. I have a moment, just to myself. Take your time. And he uh, heads out the uh, door to room number six here. As he opens it, there's just a bright light there. You see that basically you're looking through Zaldwin's eyes. And if you step out through this door, you will be back where you left. And he just gives you a polite nod and then steps out into the light. Zeldon walks up and gives a very curt smile and shuts the door behind Adam and presses his back to the door and his feet give out underneath him as he slumps against the door and Zaldwin just sobs. And eventually, after a while, he'll wipe his face and reach into his jacket pocket and pull out a soft pack of cigarettes that he didn't know was there and he'll clamp one between his mandibles, light it, and step out the door. And that will be it for our little vignette. Thank you, Austin. I uh, hope that wasn't too hard on you. And I uh, I hope that all of my monkey paws feel very natural. Naturally occurring monkey paws. Um, that's going to be it for our uh, little vignette with Zaldwin with Change. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, if you could check out actualplaypods.com, you'll find links to everything. You can hop on Discord and ask Austin about some of the decisions that he did or did not make. Um, that's actualplaypods.com. We'll see all of you next week for episode 100 of The Homebrew. Thanks for listening, listeners. Our story has come to a close for the week, and that means it's time to thank our listener sponsors, starting with Samuel Pierce, who shall forever be emblazoned upon the homebrew wall of fame as our first Crusher Mania season pass holder. Thanks for believing in us, Sam. As well as Ryan, a longtime listener. Don't forget about Tara Hoffman, that one ender who thought rolling down the window in space was safe. Uh, Rest in peace, Tara. Watch out for Adrian Josie, the silent assassin who just broke out of the prison colony on Hadria. And Trevor, Zombie Dad, Belmont, Hunter of the Unholy. You're a bastard, Trevor, but you're the bastard I choose to fight alongside. Special thanks to The Last Guppy, Last of His Kind, in search of a new home. And Austin Katzenberger, the inventor of the cat burger and secret nemesis of Ricky Rat. Check out Austin's project at foldsofhonor.org. And Timon King. Previously a longtime listener of Galaxy to Galaxy Radio, who hacked their location and joined the crew. I knew I should have set up that extra firewall. Oh well. Of course, there's Colossus, a rock column formed in nature and then lost in the stars. Hope to see you again someday, Colossus. Here's to you, Tritus, the fifth cog. Best damn warforged gunslinger this side of the Milky Way. And Odin, the egg thief. Get your damn hands Off my goddamn eggs, Odin. Keep an eye out for Zip, a tiny adventurer seeking to help his parents. Good luck, little guy. And Brendan Baker, a simple slaughterer for beef. I'm sure Mr. Goy would approve. There's been another sighting of ghostly Bigfoot, Grundle's long-lost friend and fellow abomination. Gotta be more careful, big guy, or they're gonna find you one of these days. And the illustrious Kantuka Numba, a tamer of dragons and creator of musical delights. Special thanks to Ariar, the Warforged monk who joined the crew in search of their missing car keys. 
they're always the last place you look. Might want to watch out for Zuma, a mortal who is searching the galaxy for a cure to the disease he is cursed to spread. Probably going to need to keep six feet, or maybe six light years from this guy. Incoming SOS from Captain Joe Rogers says here he's stuck on Terra in a future beyond all comprehension. Whatever that means. Special thanks to Chaos Incarnate, Destroyer of the Multiverse, forever trapped in a frying pan. Hopefully not Grundle's frying pan. We can't forget about Den the Friend, the governor of flowers. Nap with him in the rolling fields of flowers. Experience having a true friend. What's the deal with all this fungus among us lately, you ask? Well, you can thank Trip for all that. You know, Trip, the druid that chooses to fight the darkness with mushrooms. Well, hey, at least they seem like a fun guy. Can't forget about Zero, the time-traveling druid. Wait, who? Three cheers for Cerberus Rising, an improbable pirate pulling off improbable heists. When they're not being a danger to everyone. Find out about our Patreon offerings at patreon.com slash the homebrew, and we'll see you next week.